And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, as we've gone through the Easter uh, season, uh, last week we looked in Matthew 21 and we saw the triumphal entry of Christ as he made his way into Jerusalem for one last time. And he came publicly declaring that he was the king. Not the king who was going to sit on an earthly throne, but he was the king who was going to reign eternally. Friday night, we spent some time in Matthew 27, and we looked at the scene of the crucifixion, how Jesus was arrested, and he was taken to a trial, and he was declared guilty for things that he hadn't done, and they they beat his body, and they placed a crown of thorns on his head, and they mocked him profusely to the point where they crucified him on a cross. I don't know about you, friend, but I'm thankful that the crucifixion is not the end of the story. That as we gather today, we don't gather in the sense of having a funeral, thinking over a loved one who died, that we're just reminiscing over all the good things they did in their lives. But we gather today to celebrate because Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, friend, we have hope. If you're here today and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to let you know that you may be filled with hopelessness. And you may be filled with despair. You may be here this morning because somebody twisted your arm to be here. But do you understand that God has a greater purpose in having you here today? And that's so that you can hear the message of his son who rose again triumphantly. And as he rose again, he's offered life to all who will put their faith and trust in him. I've got to mention this before we go too far. There are four babies in this room right now that were born within the last two weeks. And so I hope that we hear some squealing and some crying because I love those baby noises. And if you hear it, just rejoice that we have a church with a lot of babies in it. And then know what you need to do? You need to pray that those little babies will come to a place where they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because we can't give our faith to another individual. Every individual has to make their faith their own. And you may be from a religious family this morning, but I pray that you would make the choice today to make your faith your own, to trust in Jesus as your Savior so that you can have the hope that he has offered. I want to read Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 this morning. And as I read, you can follow along. The Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. But he is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them there, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Jesus is alive. His resurrection caused him to conquer death, but also for us 
to have the ability to conquer death as we place our faith and trust in Him. And today I pray that as we go through this text together, that we would rejoice in the risen Savior. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on our time in the Word. God, we thank you for this morning that we can gather. We thank you for the promise that you have given, God, that all who place their faith and trust in Christ will have their eternity secured in heaven with you. God, we thank you that Jesus did die, that he did get buried in the tomb, and that he did victoriously rise again on the third day. And because he rose, we have hope. And God, my prayer is this morning, if there's any in the room who have never trusted Jesus, they don't have the hope of eternal life within them, that today would be the day of their salvation. And God, for those of us who are saved, we understand that Jesus is our Savior. I pray today, God, that, that we would have a new affection for him. And that affection would come, would come with a great desire to make his name known in this world until he returns. We thank you for the, the good gift of allowing us to gather this morning to praise Jesus' name. We pray that you would receive all the honor and glory from it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What a day this is. Easter Sunday is indeed the hinge point of our faith. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we indeed would have no hope. If Jesus had never even died, but just simply lived and then went back to his Father, the truth is we would have no hope. But because he lived and because he died and because he lives again, we have hope now and in eternity. I love what Billy Graham said. For the believer, there is hope beyond the grave because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. Friend, I, I want to start the service off today by asking a very simple question. And the question is this. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? You say, well, I'm, I'm at church on Easter Sunday morning. I'm just doing the best that I can. I'm just hoping that my good works will outweigh my bad works. Friend, the Bible reveals to us if we're relying in ourselves for salvation, that at the end of our lives, we will be sorely disappointed because none of us could be good enough to make our way to God through our own power. But God sent his son and his name was Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And he said that all who come to him by faith, the father will in no wise cast out, but he will receive them to himself and he will make them his children. And we will become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So I would ask you again this morning, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? I know in situations like this, it's easy to get thinking about a lot of different things, especially in a crowd this size. If you get a little hot, you get a little squirmy, and you're just thinking, man, when is this guy going to be done? Well, I'm, it's going to be a little while. I'll be shorter than normal, but it's going to be a little while. But I do pray that as we sit here together, that, that if the Spirit is working on your heart, about the eternal state of your soul, that you would respond to the Spirit by faith. Place your faith and trust in Jesus. You see, friend, Easter weekend is what it is because Christ did what he did. Easter weekend is what it is because Christ did what he did. We don't gather to commemorate a dead Savior or a good teacher or a religious person, but we gather to remember the one who died in our place and rose again victoriously, securing our eternity with him. 
You see, there is no other way to be saved. There is no other name to trust in. It is Jesus alone that we look to, for he is the only one who had the ability to conquer death. And in his victory, we have hope. That's why the songwriter said, as we sang the first song of the morning, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion, who is Jesus, declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. I pray this morning that he is your living hope. As Matt read earlier, because of the work of Christ, death no longer has an eternal sting and the grave no longer has an eternal victory, but we have victory through Jesus Christ. And as uh, this pastor who served faithfully in Vermont for many, many years passed away last night and he took his first breath into eternity, he entered into the presence of Jesus, not because of what he had done, but because of what Jesus has done. Friend, again, I pray that today, that that would be something that you understand and have made personal. And so the big idea that we look at this morning is simply this. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ because this is the only thing that brings hope to a world that is broken. Friend, have you recognized recently that our world is broken? In every level, in, in every sector, in every part of the world, it's broken and it's revealing itself in the way that humanity lives. People are searching for hope. They're searching for something or someone to trust in, and they'll try many, many different things. But as we've already said many times this morning, and as we will probably say many more times this morning, Jesus is the only one who brings hope to the broken world. And I pray that that you'll put your trust in him today. I want to see four things quickly from this text that hopefully will be a help to us as we think about the victorious resurrection of Christ. The first thing is simply this, Jesus meets us where we're at. The resurrected Jesus meets us where we are at. In the passage that we read, the Bible reveals to us in Matthew 28 that there was a group of women who were going to see the body of Jesus and anoint his body with these burial spices. And when they were getting there, before they got there, an angel came down from heaven and he rolled back the stone. And the sight of that angel was so magnificent that the guards who were placed in front of the tomb to keep a watch over Jesus to make sure that nobody stole his body, they passed out and fainted like dead men. And when the angels finally made it to the tomb, and they, they got to where the, or where the, when the ladies finally made it to the tomb, and they got to where the angel was, the angel says, why are you here? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And then the angel said, go and quickly tell his disciples that he is going to meet up with them in a mountain that Jesus had specified. The Bible says that as they went their way, All of a sudden, Jesus appeared to them. In their journey back to tell the disciples of what had taken place and all the things that they had seen, in their journey back to tell the disciples that as far as they knew, Jesus really had risen from the dead. And all of their doubt and all of their confusion and all of their wondering, Jesus met them right where they were at. And he said, look, ladies, I am alive. And friend, do you understand today that as Jesus met those ladies where they were at, he will also meet you where you are at? 
You see, they weren't in a place going to the tomb where they were fully believing that Jesus had risen. Why? Because they were bringing burial spices with them to anoint his body. They were confused. They were a little disturbed. They were wondering what was going to happen to them if Jesus did not rise from the dead. How would their lives be different? How would they be mocked and taunted and ridiculed and made fun of? And yet as they made their way out of the garden on that day from seeing the empty tomb of Jesus... Jesus met them where they were at, and when he met them where they were at, it changed their lives completely. Religion would tell us that in order to meet Jesus, then we have to get better than we currently are. We have to fix ourselves up a little bit. We need to straighten ourselves out, and then God will accept us as we are to come into his presence. But the message of Christianity is the total opposite. We don't fix ourselves up to be to be uh, accepted by Jesus. He's the one who does the work in us to make us accepted by the Father because of his death, because of his burial and resurrection, because of uh, our sin that was placed on him and his righteousness that is placed in us. We become accepted by the Father. And so it's not a work that you have to do. It's not any actions that you have to perform. It's just being willing to meet Jesus when he reveals himself to you in the place that you are. See, many people, and maybe even some here today, would say, well, I'm, I'm just too far gone. I've done too much wrong. I've spent too much of my life not believing. I've, I've mocked religion so many times in my life. Friend, do you, do you understand that none of that is held against you eternally if you come to Jesus by faith? None of it. You may be the most messed up person in the world. Sometimes I think that about myself, right? I'm pretty messed up. But do you know when I was 18 years old, after growing up in a religious family, Jesus met me where I was? And when I prayed and put my faith and trust in him, he received me into the family of God. And friend, my hope is secure, not because I worked hard enough to appease Jesus or made myself look good enough to, to, for God to accept me, but simply because I came to Jesus by faith. I pray today that, that you would let Jesus meet you where you are at. You may be running down an empty road. Do you understand that many people in this room have been met by Jesus while they were running down an empty road? You may find yourself thinking that you have it all together. Many people have been met by Jesus when they thought they had it all together. The question is, when, when you meet Jesus, what will you do with him? So the first thing we see here is that Jesus meets us where we're at. And if you're here today without Christ, then I would ask you the simple question, will you receive him where you're at? Will you receive him where you're at? Will you understand that it's not your work, but it's his? Will you understand that it's not your effort, but it's what he has done? Will you understand that he's not holding your, your bad against you in the sense that he won't let you come to him, but he's actually asking you to come to him. He's inviting you to come to him. He wants you to come to him, and he has met you where you're at. The question is, will you receive him where you're at? And so Jesus meets us where we're at, firstly. The second thing we see this morning is that Jesus exceeds our expectations. As I mentioned a moment ago, these women were making their way to the tomb. The sepulcher, as the Bible says, was somewhat of a broken spirit, a broken heart. They were grieving because the one that they had spent three years 
plus ministering to and with was taken from them. And they stood at the cross a few days earlier and they saw the crowd revile him and they saw the crowd spit upon him and they saw the blood flow from his body. They saw his body broken up so much to the point that most believe, most scholars believe, you could actually see some of his internal organs. And this was their friend. So as they made their way to where Jesus was, they came with these burial spices to finish the job that was started earlier, to anoint his body, to prepare him for a burial, to, to make sure that, that even in his death, they were doing what they could to honor him. But do you understand today that, that Jesus exceeded their expectations? You see, because they came to see a full tomb. They came wondering how they were going to roll away the stone. They came wondering what this was going to mean for the rest of their lives. And when they got there, as we've already seen, they were met by the angel who rolled away the stone. And he said, he's not here, for he has risen, as he said. And he blew away their expectations in this moment. And some of you here today may be thinking, man, if Jesus could just help me out a little bit. Friend, do you understand today that Jesus can do more than just help you out a little bit? He can change everything. He can do more than just fix one or two areas of your life where you have messed up or gone astray or gotten off course. He can do more than your mind can comprehend. And just as he exceeded the expectations of the women on this day, he will exceed our expectations as well. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that we just pile up all our wants and wishes on the back of Jesus and we rub his head a few times and say, okay, Jesus, make all my dreams come true? No, that's not what it means doesn't mean that Jesus is, is going to grant your every wish like a genie in a bottle. But it means that he's going to do more for, your, for you and your life than you even realize needs to be done in your life. He's going to straighten your path in a way where you didn't even know it was crooked, where you didn't even understand you have gone off course. I love talking to new believers, and as they express their journey with God, that they often will say things like, man, I was messed up in ways that I didn't even know I was messed up. And you know who was able to fix every one of those things? Jesus was. And so you may be coming today with expectations toward Jesus that, that maybe if he could just fix this or do that, then my life would be better. Friend, he can do way more than you could ever imagine. And just as he blew away the expectations of the ladies who were coming to this tomb in this moment, he can blow away your expectations as well. I love what Paul says uh, concerning those who have believed in Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for him that love him. The things that God will do in your life on this earth and the things that he has waiting for you for eternity, our minds can't even fathom. Yet that's what our Jesus is able to do. And so I wonder today, will you allow Jesus to exceed your expectations? You may say again, Dan, does this mean that if I come to Jesus, then, then my life is just going to automatically get better? <laughs> I wish we could say that. Sometimes, in reality, though, your life gets harder. But you know what's amazing about this idea of Jesus exceeding our expectations? That in the hardness, when we thought before that we couldn't go on, he's the one who gives us the strength to take the next step. 
day after day. Lamentations tells us that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And if you come and place your faith and trust in Christ and you believe that Jesus is indeed who he claimed to be and that he did what the Bible says that he did, then, then the word of God reveals that you will become a child of God. And as a child of God, you're the child of one who owns everything. The one who has all power and all ability. And he will do things in your life that you never thought possible. You say, well, what about that pastor that you just shared about who faithfully served the Lord and died at the age of 61? Jesus didn't exceed his expectations. Oh, friend, if you only knew. If you only knew that as this man who served the Lord faithfully took his last breath on this earth, he died with peace in his heart because he knew exactly where he was going. And while so many Fear death in this life, thinking it is the enemy. For in reality, if you're outside of Christ, it is the enemy. For those of us who are in Christ, death is just the entrance into something better. It's just the opportunity to go and be with our Lord forever. As the women came to the tomb, we see, first off, that Jesus met them where they were, and he'll meet us where we are. As the women came to the tomb, we see that Jesus exceeded their expectations. And friend, if you trust him, He'll exceed your expectations as well. The third thing is that Jesus always keeps his word. In verse number 7 of Matthew 28, the angel is speaking and he says, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he, meaning Jesus, is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. It's kind of like the angel is making sure, Hey, I've done my job. I told you he's going to be in Galilee. If you don't go there, that's your problem. The women, as they leave that angel, okay, let's just stop for a minute and think. If you just met an angel and said, I want you to go to this place because the guy that died a few days ago is now alive and he's going to meet you there, how would you respond? Uh, I I don't know what to do, right? I I guess we're going to head that way. We'll we'll make our way out of the garden. At least we're going to go and tell the disciples about the experience that we had. And so I imagine that in that moment, When they saw the angel, there was still a part of them that was slightly doubting, wondering what was going to come to be of this scenario. And as they made their way out of the garden, the Bible says that Jesus reveals himself to them. And Jesus reiterates what the angel says. He says, go to Galilee and there I will meet you. And that's great. People can tell us things all day long. But the truth of what they tell us is seen in if what they say actually comes true. And the angel could have said, go to Galilee, I'll meet you there. And Jesus could have said, go to Galilee, and I'll meet you there. But friend, he didn't just tell him to go, and he didn't just tell him he'd meet them there. But read verses 16 and 17. It says, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, what does that mean? It means that Jesus kept his word. That is, he told them to go to a mountain in Galilee. And as the angel told them to go to a mountain in Galilee, Jesus kept his word and he met them where he told them that he would be. Anybody ever have somebody tell you something and then they don't keep their word? We all have. It's disappointing. It causes us to become irritated and sometimes angry. But understand today that Jesus never makes a false promise. 
And as Jesus told them that he would meet them in Galilee, the Bible reveals that he did meet them in Galilee. And when they saw him, they beheld him. They beheld the risen Savior and they worshiped. But even then, there were still some who were doubting internally. And maybe you today, maybe God has been working on your heart. And there's something within you that is saying, I I believe. But there's still something that's causing me to not take that step of faith. Friend, can I encourage you today to give yourself to Jesus completely? It was Thomas who said, I'm not going to believe until I see the prince in his hand and the wound in his side. And when Jesus met with Thomas in another gospel account, what did Jesus say to him? Thomas, go ahead and put your fingers in the wounds of my side and touch my hand. For Thomas, I am alive. You see, even the doubting ones find grace in the presence of Jesus. And you maybe have doubts in your heart today. And you know what Jesus is saying to you? Put your faith in me. As the disciples saw Jesus in this moment, in my mind, I'm thinking they then went back and thought about all the other things that Jesus had said and promised in his life and ministry. Listen to some of these things that Jesus claimed were true. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That was a promise that Jesus made and a declaration that Jesus gave that there's only one who can save and it's him. And in this moment, as the disciples saw the resurrected Savior, they realized that Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to have hope for eternity is to place your faith in him. In John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. As Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to go away, he promised that they would have peace. And do you understand that when they saw Jesus on this day, their hearts were so filled with peace that they fell down and worshipped at his feet. Do you know that worship and worry really don't go together very well? They don't. But when the disciples saw Jesus, their hearts were filled with such peace that they let go of everything that was bogging them down and clogging their mind, and they worshipped him for who he was. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me. And if you do come to me, you'll find a peace that you never even thought was possible. Jesus keeps his word. In John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You see, in this moment, the disciples saw an instant where Jesus, instance where Jesus' words came true in a very rapid nature. They saw him in the garden. He said, go to Galilee, and there I'm going to meet you. And then it happened. Friend, do you understand that Jesus told us that he's going to meet us somewhere as well? He's told us right now that he's gone. He's gone to the Father to prepare a place for all who will place their faith and trust in him. Many people make John 14 about the mansions. Oh, we can't wait to have the mansions. I can't wait to see Jesus. And you know what? I know he's going to be there. You know why? 
Because Jesus always keeps his word. He always keeps his word. If he has said it, then I believe it will come true. And I will stake my life on the reality of Jesus because Jesus never fails. Jesus has never let anybody down. And if he's spoken it, it will come to pass. You say again, well, I'm just not sure if I'm good enough. I'm not sure if I can clean myself up enough. Well, Jesus says in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You want to see if Jesus makes good on his word? If the Spirit is leading you to come to him, Come to him and watch this truth. He will never cast you out. Never. He will receive you and you will become one of his and you will enjoy him in this life, but you will also enjoy him in the life to come. Jesus always keeps his word. Jesus always exceeds our expectations. Jesus always is willing to meet us where we are at. And if we have trusted Christ today, then this last part of the message is for us. And it's simply this, that Jesus commands us to go. In the end of Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. If Jesus has saved you today, then can I tell you, he hasn't saved you to sit on the sidelines, but he saved you to go and be a witness to the great things that he has done. You say, well, I just don't feel that's my calling in life to tell others about Jesus. Friend, if you can't tell others about what Jesus has done for you, then I think you have to in some ways question if Jesus has really done anything for you. Because if he saved you from your sins and gave you a home in heaven and he gave you peace that passes all understanding, isn't that something we should want to talk about? So Jesus says go. And in his command to go, he doesn't say go by yourself and figure it out. He says go in my power. He also says go and I'll go with you. Well, what do we do when we go? We just simply preach the gospel. And what is the gospel? That Jesus came and that he died and that he was buried and on the third day he rose again and all who put their faith and trust in him will be saved. Jesus actually said in Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. People often wonder, when's Jesus coming back? What what can we do to to not not help along the process because we know that that date is set? But what should we we be doing until we wait for that day when he returns? Jesus says, go and preach the gospel in all nations. And when all nations have heard, that's when the end is going to come. That's when we'll see him again and he'll he'll receive us to himself. And so I wonder today, if you're here and you're a believer, who are you telling about the person of Jesus? You say, well, I have, do I have to take all of the responsibility for all the people in the world that I need to get from here to Africa, to Europe, to Asia, to, to, to everywhere in the world? Do I have to take that all on myself? No, friend, your job is to simply tell the ones who cross your path in this life. As God leads you, 
go in his name. As God appoints people in your way, speak the words that he has given. You say, well, what if they don't believe? Can I tell you there are many in Jesus' day who didn't believe him and he was the Savior. It's not our responsibility to save them. It's simply our responsibility to tell them about the one who can save them. And so Jesus commands us to go. If you're a believer here today, I would ask you to think in your heart and mind, who is it that you are praying for? Who is it that you are engaging with? Who is it that maybe gets on your nerves even a little bit? That you could have an opportunity to share with them the life-changing message of the gospel. It's funny, sometimes we get so irritated with people because they, they get on our nerves, and yet we still withhold the gospel from them. Why wouldn't we give them the very thing that could change their lives completely? Jesus says, go. Go and make my name known. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go and teach them to observe what I have commanded you. Go, go, go. And as you go, I will be with you. How long is he going to be with us? Until the end of the world. Until the end of the age. He's with us in spirit now. And one day we will be with him face to face for all of eternity. And so as the women and the disciples encountered the resurrected Jesus on this first Easter morning, understand, friend, that it changed their lives completely. And I would ask you today, has your life been changed by Jesus? Have you come to a place where you have seen your, your sinfulness as it is against a holy and just God? Have you come to the place where you have recognized that the Jesus that the world talks about, the Jesus that we talk about, he came as a baby and he grew up and never did a thing wrong. He lived in perfection, fulfilling the law. And at the age of 30, he started an earthly ministry where he proclaimed who he was at first very silently as he did miracles, but at the end very vocally as he allowed the people to call him who he was, the one who had come in the name of the Lord. And this Jesus, though he had done no wrong, he was arrested in a garden. He was taken away where he went through trials where they condemned him to death. It wasn't just that they condemned him to death, though, before the death came, those soldiers had their way with him. And every stripe on his back was for the sins that you and I had committed. Every thorn in his brow was a representation of the sins that you and I have done. And as they took him out of the common hall and they led him to the cross, we understand that the, the weight of the cross became too much for him to bear. The Savior Jesus, the one who is eternal. A simple cross became too much for him to bear. Understand, friend, that while he was here, he wasn't just God, but he was also fully man. And the beating that he took and the loss of blood that he had sustained caused his body to physically begin to break. And finally, they compelled a man to carry the cross for him and they made it to Golgotha, where they fastened our Lord and Savior to that wooden cross with nails through his hands and nails through his feet. And he hung there suspended, 
between heaven and earth as a spectacle for all to see. And as those who watched him pass by, they mocked him and they reviled him and they spit upon him. If he was Jesus, they said, couldn't he save himself? Oh, friend, he could have. But he didn't. And he didn't so that you and I could be saved through his sacrifice. The Bible says that God the Father, as he looked on his son, turned his back on his son, and Jesus cried from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, Jesus spoke those famous words, To tell us die. That means it is finished. He wasn't speaking of his life. Friend, he was speaking of the sacrifice for sin. It is finished. It was paid in full. The transaction had been complete. The lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world was now slain in the world that he created. It is finished. The Bible says that in that moment, Jesus breathed his last breath and he gave up the ghost. What does that mean? It means that they didn't take the life of Jesus from him. It means that he laid it down for them. In their sinfulness, in their mocking, in their scorning, in the scourging, he laid down his life. He even prayed from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As time went on, as darkness was upon the face of the earth, see that they didn't want those soldiers hanging there, or those criminals, so to speak, hanging there, as they went into the Passover, and so... The two that were crucified on either side of them, of Jesus, they went and broke his legs, broke their legs, so they would die. But when they came to Jesus, he'd already given up his life. And they pierced him in the side, and the Bible says that that blood and water flowed from his side, showing that he had died the death. Joseph of Arimathea went... And begged the body of Jesus, said, we want to give him a proper burial. Joseph went and laid that body in his own tomb. They sealed it. But understand, friend, that three days later, he rose again. And today, he still lives. And one day, he is coming again. That is the hope that we have. And friend, we pray this morning that that is the hope that you have. You say, well, how do I come to Jesus? You you say, it's it's not through my works. What, What is the process then of becoming a child of God? Because I don't understand. Friend, in reality, it's simply this. It's confessing that you are indeed a sinner and that your sins were against God. And it's placing your belief in Jesus Christ. We often do this through praying a prayer. And in that prayer, we simply do that. It's not magic words that you say. It's about the position of your heart. I've got four kids. I know what fake words sound like. As we tell them often to apologize to their sibling for something they've done, you can tell the sincerity of their apology by the tone in their voice. So if you're here today and you think, well, I can just say, sorry, Jesus, save me. If that's your attitude towards it, friend, then you're not going to be saved. But if with brokenness of spirit, 
you will cry out to the one who died in your place. The Bible says that he will save you. I wonder today, will you let him? Will you meet him where you're at? Will you trust that his words are always going to be true? Will you let him exceed your expectations? Will you allow him to forgive you of your sins? In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. The song is called, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And this song is one that our church family loves to sing. And as we sing it, I think you'll be able to tell that. And what this song proclaims is that in this life and in the life to come, it's not me, but it's him. It's not my power, but it's his power. And as we sing that song, if Jesus has spoken to your heart today. If he's seeking to meet you where you're at, would you receive him? It's not magic words. Again, it's just simply this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve to be separated from you for the things that I've done. But today I place my faith in Jesus. I trust him to be my savior. The Bible again says that if we come to him by faith, he will in no wise cast us out. Will you receive him today? God, we thank you for this time that we can be in your house this morning. We thank you for the resurrection that we get to celebrate. We thank you for the Savior who is risen. And God, I pray today that you would do a work in hearts that I don't even know needs to be done. That you would draw to yourself those in the room who are lost. That they couldn't help but place their faith in Jesus. God, I pray they'd understand that if they would, they would understand that every promise he made will come true. God, give them the courage today to call upon your name. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in the resurrected name of Jesus we pray. Amen. With your heads bowed just for a minute as Gina begins to play. I don't normally do this, but I do want to give you an opportunity today. If you're here and you can feel the Spirit of God tugging on your heart, friend, don't delay to surrender to him. If you want to know that Jesus is your Savior, then simply say something like I've said already quietly in your seat. Say, God, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I know my sin has kept me separated from, from you. But today I call upon the name of Jesus. I trust that he died for me. Today I choose to make him the Lord of my life. Friend, if you prayed something like that with every head bowed, I would ask you just to slip your hand up so I can see it. Anybody at all? You say, I prayed that prayer. You trusted Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put that hand down. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? You say, today, today I recognize that apart from Christ, I have no hope. But today I place my faith in Jesus. Anybody at all? In a moment, we're going to sing. And as we sing, if you prayed that prayer, if you have given your life to Christ, friend, you are as much as a child of God as anybody else in this room.
or you have been forgiven. And after the service, if you prayed that prayer, I pray that you'll come and talk to me. And I'd love to share with you more about how, how much Jesus has done for you. But if, again, if you've prayed in sincerity, then you are a child of God. And the Jesus that rose from the dead is now your Savior for all of eternity. If you would look this way, I'm going to have Dave come and we're going to stand together and sing. And as we sing, church, I pray that we would worship, that we would lift up our voices with, with, with splendor because we understand that our Savior is alive, that He is not in the grave, and that one day He is coming again and He will receive us to Himself, that where He has been, there we can be too. Would you stand as we sing this morning? Yet not.